Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Marlin's Corner. So sorry for the delay. Uh, school's starting back up again, and uh, things are getting a little wild on this side of things, but I'm glad you can join me to talk about some James Cameron films uh, that I watched a while ago. So there are a lot of James Cameron films that I have seen. I did want to catch some of the ones that I have not seen, uh, and those two films happen to be The Abyss uh, and True Lies, um, both by James Cameron, and I love just going to give you my interaction with them thus far. I'll try to do a different director for a different week to kind of really get some of their films that I have not seen but seem to be pretty interesting uh, just from, you know, from my eye. Let's start with The Abyss. So, The Abyss, a uh, little bit of the synopsis is, formerly married petroleum engineers who still have some issues to work out. Uh, they are drafted to assist a gung-ho Navy SEAL with a top-secret recovery operation. A nuclear sub has been ambushed and sunk under mysterious circumstances in some of the deepest ocean, sorry, in some of the deepest waters of the Earth. Uh, going into this film, our director and writer are James Cameron and some notable folks from the cast happen to be Ed Harris and a few others, but Ed Harris is one of the ones I can think of the top of my head being in other films. He was in the cave as a cowboy and uh, Westworld. And so he has the exact same accent and demeanor in this one. Um, Watching this film, it's very clear uh, the connections uh, that uh, I was able to see between Avatar and this film. Um, we know that James Cameron, as uh, on his off time, loves um, the ocean, loves to do deep sea diving, and he got a chance to bring both those worlds together. And in doing so, we really got a chance to see him utilize bioluminescent colors, and they kind of pop out. And it's very similar to a lot of the bioluminescence we see on Pandora and the Avatar films. You can definitely see where he got some of that um, creativity from. It's always been in him, but definitely you can see the connection there. Um, the story was so-so, quite honestly. Uh, I don't typically care for uh, the story. It was, you know, they're getting a nuclear bomb. To me, what was the most interesting thing and interesting takeaway from this film are these underwater sea creatures. Uh, I was not prepared for uh, just how uh, beautiful they would all appear to be. Uh, they were they were absolutely fascinating. I couldn't believe that this film was like made in like 84. Uh, and so it was just really surprising to to see to see what, what James Cameron can do during that time period and that time era. I know that he did an amazing job with the Terminator films, but just seeing these underwater manta ray creatures, uh, they looked like little underwater angels. You know, they had, they're like, when you look at them from like the top down, you can see and confuse them as some kind of bioluminescent manta ray, but when they open up, they have like these very humanoid bodies and they even have an underwater city that is absolutely amazing. Amazing. You see it at the very end of the film, and it was just just truly breathtaking. And I really wish and had hoped that there was uh, a sequel or some other additional information about these creatures. We don't even know what they're called. We get no backstory on these creatures. They just exist. And then when they save uh, all the uh, divers, the movie just ends. And I was just shocked by um, the lack of clarity on these creatures. But when I kind of dove into the 
the uh, the background information of the film, I quickly I was able to understand why we did not get a sequel and why this film um, was entertaining as it was, uh, was a one and done type situation. Um, this film had a $70 million budget, making it one of the most expensive films made at the time. So this was like in the 80s. So this for $70 million, that was expensive. Never been done before. James Cameron did it. And it definitely came through when you watch it. But there are a whole lot more issues other than the budget. We know that uh, at a certain point in time, Ed Harris was uh, drowning in a scene. And James Cameron kept filming. He didn't want to stop filming. He wanted to get this actual uh, true moment on camera. And when they finally cut and help out at airs, he reportedly punched uh, James Cameron in the face for not helping him. Um, I think it's also important to know that there were very few scenes that involved stunt actors. A lot of these moments where they're floating or they're, or they're swimming, these are the real actors. You know, when the rig is being flooded or a character is running from water or, or drowning behind a closed door or dodging explosions. Uh, these are all the actual actors, uh, not stunt people. So this is definitely a lot of things happening to make it seem real, but it can be really taxing. It's It, it was such a difficult film that even James Cameron declared this was the worst production he's ever been involved with. And his and the rest of the cast members also kind of agreed. Uh, the difficulties filming around and underwater put like crazy stress on the entire crew. Um, and it I mean, again, we also know that, that James Cameron is a perfectionist. We know that he wants this film to be great. This film was such a difficult thing to do that a lot of his cast uh, refused to work with him again, um, which, as you can imagine, makes shooting a sequel difficult if no one wants to do this ever again with you. Uh, and with that information, I was able to understand that, oh, okay, I can see that if we're doing this film and... I have someone that wants perfection out of me and it involves me diving underwater and potentially drowning and we're always constantly in water and it's always cold or always warm or it's just I'm always constantly wet. This could be a very difficult film to be a part of. And so it makes sense that in the end, they decide this is a one and done type situation, um, no matter how amazing this looked to uh, us as a viewer. So it was very interesting to know that uh, behind the scenes, this was a truly uh, difficult film to take, uh, to shoot, to be in, to be around. And with that information, I'm, I'm able to understand why they decided to um, no longer uh try to make this a, a thing they would, they, would re, they would repeat. And it's thankful that years later, with budgets being in the triple digits, in the triple digits of millions, James Cameron can still make his uh, Avatar films and still utilize some of the same technology that he got a chance to practice uh, with The Abyss. So good on him. Uh, our next film is going to be True Lies. Uh, just a quick synopsis of True Lies. Harry Tasker leads a double life. Uh, at work, he's a government agent with a license to do just about anything. While at home, he pretends to be a dull computer salesman. He's on the trail of a stolen nuke that is in the hands of a fanatic terrorist when something important comes up. Harry finds his wife is seeing another man because she needs some adventure in her life. And Harry decides to give it to her, juggling the pursuit of terrorism on one hand and an adventure for his wife on the other while showing he can tango all at once. Uh, so this film, directed by James Cameron, he's getting some assistance uh, in the writer's room. We have Claude Zidi, uh, Simon Michael, and uh, Didier Kaminka. Um, it's important to note that this film, True Lies, is actually based um, 
or um, or inspired in part to another film, uh, I believe, was called um, La Total. So the individuals that were a part of that are Claude Zidi, Simon Michel, and Didier Kaminka. They have uh, some experience with that film, Total, uh, La Total, which is also about a, a man who uh, leaves a two-part life, and they wanted to incorporate uh, more of that into this film and kind of borrowed from it. So he included the writers in this movie to kind of help round things out. Um, the cast and the cast of this film, of course, is Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tom Arnold, and the late, great Bill Paxton. This film, uh, I think I'd seen snippets of this. I know I'd seen the snippets of, like, the really interesting uh, lap dance. Overall, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Um, a lot of action, a lot of guns. I wasn't surprised walking into this. It also definitely gave me a lot of Mr. Mr. and Mr. Smith, uh, about two, uh, about a husband and wife duo that are trying to outdo one another and be cool. And it was very interesting to see this film. I, I definitely think Jim Lee Curtis was fantastic in it. Um, I was really surprised to know that she performed uh, the helicopter rescue scene herself, which was really interesting. Um, her and James Gunn had a conversation uh, about like, hey, like, what if I were just to do this scene? Um, what are you going to do while I'm dangling up in the air? And James Cameron decided, well, if you're going to do this scene, I'm going to be in the helicopter hanging out of the door filming you. Uh, so they had this really interesting connection where they got a chance to do this stunt together. Uh, and the stunt so happened to take place on Jamie Lee Curtis' 35th birthday. So that was a really fun moment for them to connect with them. And almost in a, a really... <laughs> Interesting 180 from The Abyss. Uh, a lot of the cast and crew love this film. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is credited as saying that this film, without question, is the greatest experience of my professional life so far. So it's very interesting to see that in The Abyss, we have the never again will I ever do a film with James Cameron ever again. And this one we have like, this was exciting. I love it. I, he's an awesome person. So it's very interesting to see these two these two uh, uh, thoughts coming to place. I guess it's really great that, you know, one uh, lacks as much water uh, as the other one. It's also cool to know that um, James Cameron said that he, he actually credited the idea for this film to Arnold Schwarzenegger. He says that Arnold Schwarzenegger brought him, uh, brought to his attention this French film called La Total and they kind of had a conversation about it and together they thought of this film and it's really interesting uh, having that uh, backstory of like Arnold you know you, you kind of see him as a very swole individual but he's also like this is a really cool film that my brother-in-law showed me and it'd be cool for you to film like that so good on you Arnold that was a very cool idea to bring it up and it worked out very well it's a very interesting film um, again nothing to write home about and I, I am also just in this really weird conflicted area because you have one film where everyone had a great time true lies that I'm not really vibing with you know and you have another film the abyss where everyone had a terrible time and I'm like that's a great film and it just really kind of rem reminds me of like uh, the Stanley Kubrick films where everyone's always quoted saying this was a nightmare this man is ridiculous and everyone's like these films are so good and so it really comes to the question of like does the suffering of your actors uh, really benefit your film and when you look at films um, from Sonny Kubrick even to The Abyss it's like I can kind of see that maybe their suffering helps maybe it allows for us to connect with them more because they're exacerbated because they're just like super tired they're actually going through fits of drowning Maybe it helps. Who knows? But, you know, uh, I had a great time with these two films, and I look forward to seeing what uh, films I take on next. 
Uh, this has been a very short episode of Marlon's Corner. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to go ahead and find some uh, more things to review, some more records to check out. But I'll do that back here next time with you in Marlon's Corner. Bye. This episode of Marlon's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.